0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea, and I'm here today with Ryan, and we are reading in Daniel and Ezra. We're introduced to the book of Ezra and 2 Chronicles. Um, a lot is happening, including some very well-known stories. Ryan, what's the got to you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> One of those well-known stories, spoiler alert, is Daniel in the lion's den, not <laughs> a lion's den. That's what Chelsea just pointed out. Um, I think Daniel is fascinating. I'm sad that my favorite character, Nebuchadnezzar, is no longer to be noted. <laughs> he kind of just got overthrown pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now we have, so, so this is interesting. Daniel has served in the court in Judah. He was taken into exile from Judah, so he was in Jerusalem. Uh, then he served basically Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, and now he's serving Cyrus, who's a Medes and Persians. So he has served under three uh, hostile kingdoms, basically. The most hostile kingdom actually being Judah in Jerusalem, which is interesting.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um,
1: so here's what's interesting to me about this story. One, it's very cool to read this story and experience it as though you're experiencing it for the first time. Like, actually pay attention to the details. Don't be like, "Oh, Daniel lines down." I know that story because actually you probably don't. Yeah. Um, there's a good chance that there's some details that you've missed, or maybe the the Bible story version that you got is not completely how how it went. Um, the thing that continues to stick out to me is one: Daniel is just like a very competent dude. I don't. I don't even mean faithfully competent. And he's I mean, older
0: now too. Oh yeah,
1: he's definitely an old guy. He's
0: Seventies or eighties. But
1: like consistently, except for in the kingdom of Judah, uh, the rulers are like, "This guy's good at what he does. We mm-hmm. need to keep him more in charge." Yeah. Um, second, what sticks out to me is several times Daniel has been in these situations where a king makes a foolish choice uh, that is like creating a law or creating a decree that goes against the will of God. Mm-hmm. Daniel is a faithful man. And his form of activism, if we can even call it activism, is just <laughs> faith. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because I think it does fly in the face of how we handle situations sometimes. Because the king literally passes a law that says you may not pray to God. Hello, that is called religious persecution. If there, if there was a law passed tomorrow <laughs> <Hello>? <laughs> that said you may not pray to God, we'd be like, oh, this seems oppressive. Yes, it was oppressive. <laughs> uh, Daniel had direct access to the king. He had direct access to the, the courts and the royals and all that stuff. Like he could, he could walk into those places. He rubbed shoulders with those people. Yeah. We don't see Daniel making any kind of plea to have that law changed. We don't see Daniel making any kind of stir. He's not trying to gather up an army. He's not trying to gather people with like minds. He's not seeking out the exiles who hopefully have like a little bit more of a heart for God. Mm-hmm. What he does is he goes to his house and he prays just like he's always done. So. Daniel's form of activism is actually just to continue what he's doing, being a faithful follower of God, and letting God be the activist. And yeah. so, what you end up having in all these stories, which is very cool to me, is that God gets the glory, not Daniel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, when he sees that that um, Daniel or sorry, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't burn in the fiery furnace. He's like, oh, we need to worship God. Yeah. Uh, Cyrus here, uh, and, and in case you're confused, like Daniel's very much around the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego situation. <laughs> right. He's not like it's not like, oh, you just he's made that up. Close by. He's very <laughs> close by. Um, Daniel here with Cyrus. He's he's like just just praying to God, and he gets thrown in the lion's den. And Daniel uh, also keep in mind, Daniel did not grow up with a flannel graph where they told him <laughs> the story about Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel right. was experiencing Daniel in the lion's den for the first time. His initial thought was not, I'll probably be fine. <laughs> like, it was not like, oh, I've heard this story before. I right. make it out just fine. Right. Um, listen, when you get thrown in a lion's den, you're gonna probably going to assume that lions will eat you. Yeah. At least a little That's bit. a safe assumption. At least a little bit.
0: They're going to eat you a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so Daniel is delivered from these lions supernaturally. We know that because the next group of people to get thrown in the lion's den don't Have a wonderful fate. They don't eat
0: them just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yikes. Um, But again, it's God that gets the glory. Yeah. Because it is God consistently drawing attention to himself through people who faithfully follow him regardless of circumstances.
0: Yeah. I also like that the king was in anguish. Like, he was visibly disturbed that he had to do this to Daniel. And I think that's a God thing, too. I think that, like, Nebuchadnezzar, King Darius, I think that God is working in the hearts of these kings and trying to draw them close to himself. Um, he knows, like King Darius knows it's wrong. Like what's happening is wrong.
1: Uh, The way their laws work seems not efficient or Uh. effective. (laughs) However, are you talking about God working on their hearts? You guys can't actually see the actual pages unless you have one of these Bibles. If you want one of these Bibles, please let us know. We'll be happy to send you one free of charge. Um, the last page that we read over, it uses the, the term specifically stirred the heart of. So we have in 2nd Chronicles God stirred the heart of Cyrus, mm-hmm. in Ezra God stirred the heart of Cyrus, and later in Ezra God stirred the heart of the priests. So mm-hmm. maybe like a little bit of a theme of what's going on here is that God is the one moving people's hearts to seek him. Yeah. Cyrus Cyrus is a pagan king. Right. He actually is the one that says God told me to build a temple in Jerusalem, so we're going to build a temple in Jerusalem. <laughs> all
0: right cool man (laughs) it's just so echoey of nebuchadnezzar it's funny to me um i like these
1: guys
0: (laughs) uh the other thing that i want to point out is daniel's prayer for his people so daniel is reading jeremiah's writings the prophet jeremiah who was pretty much a contemporary um daniel's a little younger than him and lives a little longer than him um but he's reading jeremiah's prophecies notices the 70 years that Jerusalem is supposed to lie desolate and then praise this prayer of intercession for his people. And, um, when you read over this prayer, it's Daniel nine verses four through 19. You see all these echoes of Jeremiah and Ezekiel too, but in the language, you just see the language over and over again. Things, these things should sound familiar to you as you're reading it or as you're listening, because it sounds a lot like Jeremiah. Um, I want to just point out that he is using scripture as a guide for prayer, which is really cool. He's like doing this prayer of intercession for his people. He loves his people so much, but he's so close to the heart of God because he's so close to scripture and he knows what to pray. That's um, a
1: very good model for us to use when it comes to prayer. Extra credit. Um, that's for not, me or for that, you? That's not nearly, <laughs> no, for, for the, for the, the listener. Oh, okay, um, It's not nearly as exciting as, as what you're saying. <laughs> um, one of the ways that we can trust that the Bible is like, sacred text to us is when the Bible quotes itself across Mm -hmm. books. Mm -hmm. So here we have Daniel reading Jeremiah, um, which is a, which is a proof that what we have is relevant and useful and God ordained for us because Daniel was living in the time of Jeremiah and he's reading the text and praying the text Mm -hmm. of Jeremiah. It was very cool.
0: I love it. Um, anything else?
1: I, okay, so I do, I do. I don't know if I should, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Do it. Um, so religion gets a little bit of a bad rap sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. it's like, oh, we we don't want to be religious. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Daniel's being very religious in this passage. Mm-hmm. So Daniel prays three times a day. It's not because he decided to do that. That's like a religious practice. He makes sure that he's facing Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's not by accident. That's a religious practice. Like it's it's kind of a um, like a repetitive um, religious practice. Mm-hmm. We are kind of into breaking down repetitive religious practices. And Daniel got thrown in the lion's den for doing it. So maybe break that down more. <laughs> well, we should just be careful about like just because something feels religious doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, like Daniel. Yes, Daniel is faithful to God. We know that from the life of Daniel. Mm-hmm. One of the things that was very core to the core, like to the the being of Daniel, was religious practice. Mm-hmm. You know, like did did he kneel down in the morning? It's three times a day. So I'm just assuming it's like beginning of the day, middle of the day, end of the day. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but was he having like incredible experiences with God every single time? Maybe, probably not. And probably it was like a little bit of religion and. I just I, in this season of time that we're in where where we as a culture as a Christian culture are trying to break down religious traditions um spiritual disciplines and practices I think mm-hmm. we should be careful um because here we see Daniel like he heard the law he knew praying to God um was going to get him punished mm-hmm. in some way so yes he's thrown in the, in the lions den because he's faithful to God subpoint he's thrown in the lions den because he's Really faithful to his religious practice. Mm -hmm. And so we should probably be careful about just throwing all that out because it is something that has carried faithful people through their faith experience consistently throughout history. And here we see Daniel really, like tangibly speaking, thrown in the lion's den because he wanted to pray at one certain time in the day. Mm -hmm. His first response was not, well, prayer is not that important. I could like pray secretly in the closet so that people don't see me. He was like, no, this is what I do to serve God.
0: Right. And it's not even the practice of like for us it's not like we have to face Jerusalem and kneel by our window three times a day but it is prayer is a spiritual discipline that we need to do it's we're told to pray continuously in the bible where prayer is a huge thing in the bible
1: yeah i don't, don't think stop. i don't think daniel was the guy at bible study being like i don't know is prayer even important like should i be doing this it's so hard <laughs> like i think he was the guy that was like well yeah this is like the core of who i am i pray three times a day if i'm going to then i'm going to the lion's den. right so I think we should be encouraged to to perhaps be more disciplined. Um, And I know that it's not flashy and it's it's, a lot of times not fun, but it's actually really core to our spiritual development and discipleship of following Jesus.
0: Yeah. And that's what leads us to knowing God. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel
0: 6, beginning in verse 1. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement. We, administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, except you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now your majesty issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he has always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help, so they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next thirty days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human except you, your majesty, will be thrown into a den of lions?" Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It's an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, That man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He is still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled. He tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king's sign can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seal of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve so faithfully, able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, Long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed in order that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. And the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. "'Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever.' His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Azurus, who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore a rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets, who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far, wherever you have driven us because our disloyalty to you. O Lord, we and our kings, princes, and ancestors are covered with shame because we have sinned against you. But the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us to his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instruction and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. So now the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses. The servant of God have been poured out on us because of our sin. You have kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem. Every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true, yet we have refused to seek mercy from the Lord our God by turning from our sins and recognizing his truth. Therefore, the Lord has brought upon us all the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do all these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord, our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power, but we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, for all the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. O our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea not because we deserve help, but because of your mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay. O my God, for your people and your city bear your name. I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, His holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in an earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you begin praying, a command was given, and now I am here to tell you what it is, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so you can understand the meaning of your vision." A period of seventy sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to confirm the prophetic vision and to anoint the most holy place. Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus sixty-two sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses, despite the perilous times. After this period of 62 sets of seven, the Anointed One will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. The end will come with a flood, and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings." And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. 2 Chronicles 36, beginning in verse 22. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and to send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build a temple in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go there for this task, and may the Lord your God be with you. Ezra 1. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put this proclamation in writing and send it throughout his kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build him a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem in Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives in Jerusalem. And may your God be with you. Wherever this Jewish remnant is found, let their neighbors contribute toward their expenses by giving them silver and gold, supplies for the journey, and livestock, as well as a voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem." Then God stirred the hearts of the priests and Levites and the leaders of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And all their neighbors assisted by giving them articles of silver and gold, supplies for the journey and livestock. They gave them many valuable gifts in addition to all the voluntary offerings. King Cyrus himself brought out the articles that King Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the Lord's temple in Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of his own gods. Cyrus directed Mithridath, the treasurer of Persia, to count these items and present them to Sheshbazar, the leader of the exiles returning to Judah. This is a list of the items that were returned gold basins, 30, silver basins, 1,000, silver incense burners, 29 gold bowls, 30, silver bowls, 410, other items, 1,000. In all, there are 5,400 articles of gold and silver. shesh brought all of these things when the exiles went from Babylon to Jerusalem. First Chronicles 3. The sons of Jehoiachin who were taken prisoner by the Babylonians were Shetiel, Malkram, Padaiah, Shinazar, Jechemiah, Hoshemah and Nebadiah. These sons of Padaiah were Zerubbabel and Shimei.
1: Hey guys, this is Ryan and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's whole story podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast@worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.